You're listening to the Complete Human Podcast with me, Evan DeMarco. And me, Jana Breslin. A podcast where we combine our decades of experience as health and wellness experts to educate you on how to bio-optimize your way to becoming a complete human. We are on a mission to inspire the necessary change we need to ensure a thriving existence for all. That's why with every episode, we bring you real science, deeper intelligence, and actionable takeaways in hopes of not only changing the trajectory of your health, but changing the trajectory of the entire human race. Are you ready to become a complete human? Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Complete Human Podcast with your host, Jana Breslin and Evan DeMarco. So this time of year brings a topic I want to cover, which I'm sure is going to be hyper controversial. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's Girl Scout cookies. It's such an exciting time. It is and it is not. And it's only this time of year, right? It's a very short window. Okay. And that's something we're going we're gonna to get to in a second. So as someone who advocates for a healthy lifestyle, as we do, healthier people for a healthier planet, that is the mission, that is the vision of Complete Human, it's really difficult to see an organization that perpetuates the sale of boxes and boxes of the diabetes. But here's the rub. I have a daughter who's actually sitting right over here watching this podcast, and she's in Girl Scouts. And so every year, boxes of Samoas and the Thin Mints and the peanut butter patties and the ever addictive, you know, just smorgasbord of cookies finds their way to our house. And the Thin Mints go in the freezer, which is where they're supposed to to be because, you know, warm Thin Mints, bad. Frozen Thin Mints, awesome. You don't seem very enthralled with that part of the conversation. So They're just not here yet, so I'm a little little depressed. So, you know, I, I like to consider myself a man of great willpower, but those boxes call to me, especially at night. You've had dinner. You know that there's a th- sleeve of Thin Mints in the freezer. It just happens, right? And you can't just eat one. Like, I don't know what they put in those, but it's it's like, it's more addictive than just sugar. There, there's got to be some chemical component to that. So here's the thing, right? I, did you have to sell candy or, or anything when you were young? I did my own lemonade stands, but that's about it. Really? So mm-hmm. you didn't have to like sell chocolate at school as a fundraiser or anything no. like that? No, I think it was magazines at some point, but like no chocolate. Okay. So when I was young, my school sent me door to door selling America's finest chocolate, which after actually having good chocolate, you realize was probably the greatest, you know, false advertising campaign of all time. And then in baseball, we sold chocolate bars like crazy, right? So there's a long history in our country of sending kids out door-to-door selling sugar to raise money. And and there's a reason for that, right? Like it's really hard to say no to a kid who's knocking on your front door saying, will you buy chocolate for me to raise money for sports or school or anything like that? So it's actually a great marketing tactic that these companies have come with over right. the years. A grown man like yourself does it. It's a little questionable, but you get a cute little seven-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> As I found out a couple of years ago, I'm like, I just started selling Hershey bars door to door and I got arrested. Mm. <laughs> so here's the thing, you know, at the risk of sounding old or, or perhaps me just wanting to be Bob Dylan for a second, you know, times they are a change. You know, so in the wake of COVID, and we've talked about this time and time again, there's irrefutable evidence that metabolic health is the ter- determining factor in positive COVID outcomes or good metabolic health. And, you know, I guess for more than for, for more information on that topic, ladies and gentlemen, you know, chime into our most recent podcast on metabolic health. There's a lot of great science in that one. So I'm not going to jump into that right now. That's a completely separate topic. But one thing that we do know is, is that poor metabolic health is directly tied to excess sugar intake, right? So let's take a look at one of my favorite uh, cookies, and that's the Samoa. Are you familiar with that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to read this because I, I wanted to catch the uh, the information, which actually has changed its name to the Caramel Delight. And... Uh, and I guess there's some trademark issue. Pesky lawyers always getting in the way. So two cookies equal 140 calories, five grams of sat fat, and 19 grams of sugar. That's just two cookies. 
Like, and they're not large. No, they're not large. They are made from enriched wheat flour, vegetable oil, lots of which is palm oil, and sugar with a few other unnatural ingredients thrown in for good measure. Uh, when you read the back of it, it doesn't exactly read like something, you know, that's that's hyper healthy. And, and, you know, my daughter keeps pointing at me. So, you know, we can show all of the nutritional information here, which, you know, has all of this stuff on the back. But it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting. So, you know, they have moved into like the more gluten-free movement, which I can appreciate as a gluten-free person. I like that. But even still, we, as we know, gluten-free foods does not equate to health. True. And I don't actually think that they have the gluten-free ones this year. Mm-hmm. I think they've taken them off the menu because they were too expensive, which is interesting when we get into the economics as, as I figured out. So while Girl Scout cookies are far from the only delightful treat that uses palm oil, uh, they're one of the number one organizations that have been the target of quite a bit of outrage for their continued use of palm oil. And I actually... F- found a quote from this one, but palm oil, as we know, is a completely versatile product. It's using a lot of like sweeteners. It's using a lot of like Twinkies and all the crap that people eat. But the biggest problem with palm oil is the production usually comes from Southeast Asia. And we've destroyed thousands, millions of acres of indigenous rainforest to clear the path for these palm, you know, like, like these palm plantations. The bakers behind Girl Scout cookies were still refraining from making any solid commitments to improve the environmental aspects of their product. Um, And there's two bakers in the United States that have the sole contracts for Girl Scout cookies. When Little Brownie Bakers, one of the two major production companies for Girl Scout cookies, was asked whether or not they were going to be turning away from forest-destroying palm oil, they simply responded, we will continue to work with our suppliers to increase our use of sustainable palm oil with a goal to get to 100% segregated sustainable palm oil when it becomes logistically and financially feasible. That's a direct quote from this company. Do you know much? Is that, is that cheap? Is that a cheap oil? It's insanely cheap. It is. Okay. Yeah. That's unfortunate. So that is a that is a BS quote if I've ever read one. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no commitment in that whatsoever. They're like, eh, you know, basically if palm oils, you know, palm oil plantations burn to the ground. Maybe we'll think about it, but they have no commitment to the environmental destruction and the environmental catastrophe that they predominantly have caused as a result of the demand for all of this palm oil. So now we have a very unhealthy product for people and we have a very unhealthy product for the planet. So then the, I, I guess the question that I came up with is, is with all of this available data on the unhealthy nature of the, of the cookies themselves and what they're doing to the planet, why do the Girl Scouts still continue to sell them? And I mean, it's... Right. Tradition, right? It's like been going on for how many years? Uh, Since 1917. Yeah. So that's like over a hundred years. That's substantial. Yeah. But but here's what I found in doing the research on this, right? When the Girl Scouts started selling cookies, they were baking them themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was, it was like a, it was a sugar cookie, right? It was like sugar, flour, baking soda, and I don't know. Yeah. They're making, they're putting in work to create the product. Yeah. Just uh, like, you know, me with my lemonade stand. Exactly. You know, there's a little effort. The juice was worth the squeeze. <laughs> so the this comes directly from the Girl Scout site and the order form from which my daughter uses to sell the cookies, which is right here. And this says, through the Girl Scout cookie program, girls learn to think like entrepreneurs as they build essential skills, goal setting, decision making, money management, people skills, and business ethics. So when you buy a box or five, you're supporting girls' success and the next generation of female entrepreneurs. What do you think of that statement? It makes my blood boil. Yeah, I feel the same way. Why? Well, just because it's, I, I kind of view it as like it's drop shipping in a way, right? I mean, they're using the girls, they're using their cuteness and their sweetness mm-hmm. 
to sell something that isn't necessarily healthy, promoting it as entrepreneurship when technically, aside from the the sales, I guess that they do, like the sales techniques that maybe they learn, I don't know if there's much entrepreneurship built into that. Exactly. And so uh, th- I'm glad you brought that up because I, I kind of want to break that whole statement down Barney style. And, and I think that we can agree with skill sets like goal setting and people skills that absolutely comes out of these. Like these girls can sell better than anybody. Like we need to hire them for complete human supplements. Yes. Like I, I've... Your daughter I, has approached me three times today about buying, yeah. <laughs> buying cookies. She's good at the it. The relentlessness like, yes. is... I mean, that is a skill that is learned. Yeah. Like they overcome objections better than stockbrokers. Like it's amazing. Like what are they teaching these kids? And then I think even like things like setting goals, setting realistic goals, working with the girls to say like, I want to sell this many boxes. I think that's a very valuable skill. And one thing that is never taught in any type of schooling you know, system, especially colleges, sales. And ultimately we all have to learn how to sell, right? Whether you end up as a professional salesperson or whatever, communicating ideas and getting people to buy in on those ideas is an essential survival skill in today's world. So I value that. Absolutely. But where does the decision making come in? Like, what, 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 what is that? Is that like which house to go to? Like, I, I don't see a lot of decision making taking place here. And what about the entrepreneurial skills? So, as you said, I think there's a big difference between being a business owner and an entrepreneur. You and I have talked a lot about this personally. And, and while the dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on greater than normal financial risk in order to do so, I've always viewed entrepreneurs and business owners as two very distinct things, right? Like business owners, that, that's a car mechanic. That's, a, you know, I think like your parents are great business owners, right? Like they have a skill set and a business that they haven't reinvented anything, right? Mm-hmm. And there's still great risk and there's still great reward with that. I look at entrepreneurs as like the Elon Musk or the Bill Gates or the Steve Jobs, you know, people who have disrupted an entire... The, you know, the in- innovators and the visionaries. Exactly. Like the people that look at the world and say, I can do better. Change makers. The change makers, right? And I, I think, you know, the great entrepreneurs of the world just do that. They make change. They mm-hmm. say, I can do better. They they look at a problem and they figure out a creative solution. And the world needs both. There's not. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. In the context of all of this is a Girl Scout, an entrepreneur, or a business owner. And the reality is, is they're neither. Like, mm-hmm. there's no economic hardship. They're not incurring any risk. You know, they don't make the cookies. They're not ha- like having to go buy all of the palm oil, sit on it, manufacture a product, and then figure out distribution supply chains to get that to, <laughs> you know, the customers. So, no, Grant, are you going to expect a seven year old to do that? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But, I, but you're right. There are other ways to encourage entrepreneurship as a young person. Yeah. Right. There are many, many other ways to do it. There are many other ways to do that. And and so, you know, really they are, by virtue of this, only benefiting economically from the sale of those. And that's where I wanted to understand the economics of this. And I did some research on this. So According to many websites, 100% of the net profits of sales stay within the community, which is great. Now, one site indicates that 50% goes to council-sponsored programs, events, properties, training, and scholarships. So that sounds pretty good, but it's very ambiguous. So half of the money of the net profits go to kind of this ambiguous thing. 24% goes to the cost of the cookies. So about a quarter... You know, so a dollar theoretically, if it's, you know, or or a little bit more than that from a $5 box goes to the cost of the cookies. And I think that's fairly, that seems pretty consistent with everything that we know of manufacturing. 23% goes to troop proceeds, girl recognitions, and service unit bonuses. Again, I don't, I'm not a Girl Scout, so I don't know what these things are. And then 3% goes to the cost of the of cookie program support. And I don't know if that's administrative, whatever. Supposedly the Girl Scout corporate office 
doesn't take anything of this. It stays within the community. So that's encouraging, but there still seems to be a little of ambiguity on where all of this money goes. Mm-hmm. When I researched this, there was a lot of exposés on the dark side of the Girl Scout cookie industry. Yeah. So kind of kind of freaky. Um Now, is it an expanding business or like company? Is it getting more and more every year or less and less? I mean, as far because you you did some research on the sales and the revenue that they bring in. So last year, they sold 200 million boxes of cookies. And each box is $5. So they did a billion dollars in cookie sales. And that is crazy impressive for a company that is not selling cookies year round. <laughs> That's like three months. They did a billion dollars in cookie sales in three months. That's why I say we need to hire them for complete human supplement sales, <laughs> which I'll get to in a second. So here's the thing. I And before, before all of the den mothers out there just show up on my front doorstep with a pitchfork and you know claiming that I'm bashing Girl Scouts. I'm not. I love the Girl Scout program. I love what it's done for my daughter. I've seen her confidence improve. I've seen social skills. I've seen community outreach. I, I got to be with her as they her whole troop made blankets and took them to the Humane Society for you know for animals. There is a tremendous amount of value in the Girl Scout program in shaping uh, you know intellectually, uh, you know, intellectually sound, emotionally sound, like very socially, yeah. socially conscious leaders of, of tomorrow. So I cannot say enough about Girl Scouts, but then it feels very kind of contradictory with all the social responsibility to be out peddling Girl Scout cookies. Mm-hmm. And then claiming it as entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah, exactly. So then my question was, well, why not why not fix it, right? Why not sell vitamins or mm-hmm. gym memberships or cryo tubs? Which, <laughs> you know, seriously, I'm going I'm to approach the Girl Scouts and see if we can work out like a deal here. And this is what I, this is the other thing that I, like I said, is, is Girl Scout cookies were originally baked at home. Mm-hmm. In 1917, they started this whole program, you know, with sugar cookies. And you know, that was it. And it made sense, right? It's like you do the work, then you sell the product. Like there's entrepreneurship in that. Now it's like a company makes a gazillion dollars a year baking cookies. And then you've got this army of little girls out knocking on people's doors saying, do you want to buy my cookies? Like who's going to say no? <laughs> yeah. It, it does kind of feel like they're being used a bit. I don't know. Is that like a dark just thing that I think or what? I, I just feel like it's a little, it's a little devious. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, kids in Indonesia making shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an element that just doesn't sit right. So now people can still support Girl Scouts without paying for cookies, right? Is that, is there another way to support what they're doing, but not... There is. Get yes. the diabetes with it? There is. And and I think even if you look at this, there's, you know, you can donate your cookies to, you can donate them to the military and I think they'll send them like overseas or they'll give them to, uh, you know, the armed forces, which I, I mean, it's maybe a little bit better than them ending up in our freezer. Uh, but I think that you can just make cash donations. And this is, I guess, where the question then comes in is, is that, you know, is there any benefit to the girls if we're just giving them cash? Are we teaching them the skills necessary, the business development skills, the entrepreneurship skills? I don't think so. Because if we're just saying that is the alternative to buying cookies, are we really kind of solving the problem there? I guess, are we teaching them to be the problem solvers of tomorrow? And and it's funny because we asked my daughter this uh, at dinner tonight. It's like, you know, explaining what we were going to talk about tonight and asked her if she had any suggestions on what Girl Scouts What else would you sell? Yeah. Yeah. And she had some really cool ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one was fruit. Like, you know, selling fruits and vegetables, which I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, And the other one that I thought was brilliant was selling honey. I love that idea. I think it's genius. 
We have talked about time and time again how essential bees are to the survival of the planet. So if we are incentivizing girls, the same girls who can sell 200 million boxes of cookies in three months to go out and sell honey, what does that do to our awareness and our demand for more bees? And with more bees comes a much more robust Mm -hmm. environment that that we need right now anyway. Right. And then to me, the demands of all the honey you sell from the Girl Scouts, you need a lot of bees to do that which means that we do more effort to encourage bees to stick around. Exactly. And that just helps everyone. Yeah. So everybody could be good. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the thing is always is that are we asking these girls, you know, to do too much right now? And I think the answer is yes. Should a seven-year-old be burdened with all of these challenges of revamping a hundred-plus-year-old industry, trying to figure out what the future is? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not their job. I love that my daughter was thinking creatively. I love that she came up with this idea, you know, for, for bees or fruit or vegetables, yeah. things that... And that's something that should be encouraged more and celebrated is coming up with different ideas and entrepreneurship goals. I mean, I feel like that would just be really special to get a bunch of women together and come up with different ideas together and not just follow the same narrative mm-hmm. that's been going on the last hundred years. Yeah. And and I think that I would challenge the Girl Scouts of America to really lean on their, you know, their Girl Scouts. And and these are the future change makers of of tomorrow. These are the girls that we're hopefully training into our entrepreneurs, the next leaders. You know, I look at my daughter as as someone that I want to embody those kind of leadership qualities, those entrepreneur qualities, those problem solving qualities. So if we can look at them now and say, what would you change? Why are we not listening to that? If we know that the current model is not good, then Let's lean on them a little bit. Let's let them be a voice of reason and a voice of change and inspire them to reach for the stars in a way that's different. Because again, if if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always gotten, right? And I, I, I think I just botched that saying, but pretty no, close. Makes sense, yeah. You know, 200 million boxes of cookies is a lot of metabolic inflexibility. That's a lot. You guys should listen to that uh, that previous episode we just did. It's a good one. Yeah. So I I think that there's a real opportunity here for us to take Girl Scout cookies and recognize that if done properly and if an organization like the Girl Scouts of America can really recognize the fault in that and, you know, not just from the health side of people, but of the planet with the palm oil and, and the deforestation and then really work with their girls to come up with creative solutions to replace that income, to replace that revenue, and let them be a part of that solution. Mm-hmm. That's entrepreneurship. I agree. Now, do you think people should still support Girl Scouts? Should Absolutely. they purchase the cookies? Oh, that's a great question. And I've, I, I mean, I did, I did today. I did too. <laughs> but I was, I was swindled. <laughs> you, I, I think you were, uh, I, I think she overcame all possible objections is a better way to say it. <laughs> I struggle with this one. If if I didn't have a daughter, I'd say no. Mm-hmm. But or if if she was in, if she was not in Girl Scouts, I would say no. Okay, got but it. But because I love my daughter and I want to support her, I'm still going to continue to buy them. But in but de- if someone comes to your door, a girl you don't know, and they want to sell you cookies, what do you do? I say no. Okay. And for for all of the right reasons, I would too. Yeah. But. And this is my other challenge to the parents out there is is that, you know, make sure you're teaching your kid, your daughters, true entrepreneurship, problem solving, mm-hmm. have that conversation with them. You know, maybe the, maybe Girl Scouts of America will not listen to the Complete Human podcast. Maybe the Den Mothers out there will not hear us, but maybe there's a couple parents out there that will listen to this who have girls and Girl Scouts and ask them, you know, what would you sell differently? What would you do differently? How would you raise money differently? And let them be part of creative solutions to real legitimate problems. And we 
we could he- have the philosophical debate on whether or not Girl Scout cookies is a real legitimate problem in this world. Right. It's clearly enough that it bothered me, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we're talking about it now. But I-, I think that there's true value in acknowledging that small shifts will equal big changes. And if we get 200 million people off of Girl Scout cookies and got them onto honey or fruits and vegetables, that's a pretty significant shift. And if those fruits or those vegetables or that honey has a positive environmental impact, even better. So what we, you know, what we don't see immediately, we will see in the long run. And that long run means a better life, a better world, a better planet for our kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. So this has been kind of a weird one, ladies and gentlemen. I, I felt the need to sound off on, on Girl Scouts and not necessarily Girl Scouts in general, but Girl Scout cookies because I do love the Girl Scouts and I want all of them out there to recognize that this was not a bash on them, but simply a call for us to be aware of a potential problem and see if we can really tap into the genius of, of our youth and allow them to help solve a problem. Amen. Amen. So yeah, that's all I got about. That's all I got to say about the war in Vietnam. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) That's good. We also wanted to let you guys know that if you write a nice little warm hug of a review and you send us a screenshot, we will send you a free vitamin D and zinc. Absolutely. Don't forget to write a review and show us your love. We love to read them. We love to share them. And we thank you for your feedback. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of the Complete Human Podcast with your host, Janet Breslin and Evan DeMarco. See you next week. Bye, everyone. 